There we are. The following podcast is produced or sponsored by a community member. The content, views, and opinions expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect those of BMC or the town of Belmont. BMC welcomes your comments. Call us at 617-484-2443 or email us at access at belmontmedia.org. Here I am, and here comes the music. Talk about breaking down the fourth wall. Whoa. Would have helped if I brought that up gradually. Off to another flying start here on this edition of the TOST Toddcast with Coach Q here on the Belmont Media Podcast Network and also simulcast on BMC channels 8, 9, 28, and 29. I am Todd Bloniars alongside Belmont High School head football coach Jan Kuman. There he is. Hello. 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 <laughs> now I know where the cameras are so oh. I can... Do it again. I can point at the camera. Yes, you can. (laughs) But I just wanted to let you, I'm going to point here first. Uh, We just wanted to remind all of you listeners and viewers that these shows are interactive. Your participation is welcome. If you have any questions for the coach, log into Twitter. Use the hashtag Q's for Q. That's Q-S-F-O-R-Q. And uh, I checked it again. We don't have any questions this week. But please, Uh, we've got a a lot of games left in the season. We do. Get your questions in. Uh, I know uh, if you're following us on Twitter, at TOSTBMC, you can, uh, I got the hashtag listed there and thanks to coach q uh, retweeting stuff along on his twitter handle which is at q underscore coach and bhs football marauder at marauder f ball uh, all those are uh, out there and it has the hashtag prominently displayed so please uh, use it uh, at your convenience we would love you uh, to do that and be a part of this show along with us you can also become a fan of our uh, toddcast here by following us on facebook search timeout for sports talk that's of course the flagship tv show a winner, I hate to be so self-aggrandizing, but winner of an award. Yeah, actually, congratulations, Coach Q, also a winner of a BMC award for his, for his basketball announcing coverage. Again, I, I've always mentioned that the coach is such a renaissance. I'm hoping that I'm hoping that it, it, it goes it goes national and, and somebody picks it up and says, "Hey, we need to we need to get this guy," and I can you know quit my teaching job and I can just be a sportscaster <laughs> in the winter and the spring, and I can be a football coach in the summer and the fall, and um, that would be excellent. What do, you, what do you think I've been trying to do for 25 yeah, years, man. Coach? I mean, somebody, somebody <laughs> grab this thing, you know? Grab this thing. We're hot. We're hot. We, we are, yes. And, uh, yeah, again, uh, congratulations, Coach Q and Chet Messer, our uh, basketball Absolutely. announcers on BMC Sports Coverage, doing the uh, basketball games. Uh, of course, I uh, help out do some football games for BMC Sports and do these interviews with the coach. Actually, uh, the award uh, was won by the Timeout Flagship, our TV show, which actually this week is going to be having its 400th all-time show. Oh, that's excellent. As we kick off our 25th season. It only took 25 seasons for us to finally <laughs> win an award. Uh, it's the hometown, was it, the hometown oh. media uh, Alliance, part of uh, the Alliance for Community Media, was a Northeast. It was a regional award. Yeah, it was award. regional. So yeah. it was. Uh, it, it was really great. Jeremy Maserve was down by the field today, and he he was talking about it today too. So I mean, we got so many great people over here at BMC, and, and including you, Todd, and uh, Chet, and Jeremy, and just everybody who worked so hard to make community TV real in Belmont, and and it does so much for our our sports program. Whoop. Oh, that's okay. Uh, it, it does so much for our sports program and uh, and our our sports culture too. So just. It's awesome to see uh, everybody be recognized for so much work. Yeah, I'm trying to get you louder on the actual Toddcast, but less loud, oh, okay. less loud in the headset. <laughs> okay. We sound like we're going out. You're really the loud, you're the not. you're the audio guy, man. Yeah. I'm well, just... don't be so sure about that. This is yeah. This is audio and video today, so that's always <laughs> a uh, see. Here I am again. Hi, I'm here. I know how to switch cameras. Very good. Okay, oh, now th- that's for all you viewers out there. Now back to the coach. Uh, we got a lot to cram into 30 minutes. We're going to try our best. We uh, haven't been on in a couple weeks uh, due to scheduling conflicts and whatnot. So let's. 
let's uh, jump right in. Uh, I want to start off two weeks ago, uh, tough game against yeah. Framingham. Actually, kind of a similar theme to both the uh, both the uh, the Framingham and the Woburn games, both at Harris Field and. Uh, uh, you know, one of the things that happened in both games, uh, kind of slow starts, falling behind early, and then coming back, playing strong in the second half, but uh, but coming up a, sh- a little bit short, particularly in the Framingham game where obviously it came down to the final seconds. You had a chance to go in Oof. for the tying and winning, eventual winning score with a touchdown and an extra point. You lose by six. Uh, talk about that game because it started off, uh, again, really quick. We'll try to get through this one, but uh, it started off with like uh, both teams committing a lot of turnovers. There was a delay at the start because of heavy rains prior to the game, and I know the Framingham team arrived a little late. Uh, once it got started, the first quarter, I believe each team had two turnovers. Ball was just kind of being um, back and forth. And uh, I know I know that uh, Chidi Na, who the, that name where we were trying to pronounce a couple weeks ago, he ends up scoring a, a big touchdown early off a, off a fumble. But, yeah, so t- so talk about that and then just how the second half went, how you guys got back in the uh, in the game. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of been a consistent issue for us and obviously one that we're trying to, to rectify, you know, and that we're, we're coming out the gate a little bit a little bit slow um, or a lot slow, you know, that Framingham game. I mean, (laughs) that fumble wasn't a fumble. Um, You know, it it, it was a fumble because they call it a fumble and he scooped it up and he tried it in the end zone. But, you know, we watched it on cut the next day and it's pretty clear. I mean, his elbow is square down on the ground. The ball's still in there and the kid rolls over the top of him as he's our quarterback is already on the ground and rips the ball out and it rolls into the end zone um, and Framingham pounces on it. And that ends up to be the, that's the difference, you know. I mean, that's the that's the winning score. So obviously, you know, we had a lot of opportunities throughout that game, and and we need to capitalize on it. But it was it was rough to have a call like that and a fumble like that, and you know, you, you got to rebound from that and you got to regroup. Um, you know, we turned the ball over again on our on our second possession. Had some movement going, chunking up some yards. You know, got up about midfield with I think our, on our forty five yard line and um, fumbled the ball again. Turned the ball over to them. Um, you know, so those are the things that we just can't continue to do and expect to be expect to be successful. You know, um, we just we have to control the things that we can control and we have to stop shooting ourselves in the foot and 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 give ourselves the best opportunity to win. And, you know, that's been that was a focus for us after Framingham. And it's again a focus for us after after Woburn. Um, you know, we've been saying if we if we play 44 minutes like we play 22 minutes, um, I think we're two and one. Uh, but we don't. We didn't, you know, and so we're 0-3. And, and that's a tough pill to swallow for sure for our kids and, and for our coaches. You know, we definitely think we're better than our record belies. But, you know, you are what your record says you are. And, and right now we're an 0-3 team that has a tendency to get out of the gate a little bit slow offensively and have to spend the second half trying to trying to catch up and trying to recover. And that's not a recipe for success. Some of the positive highlights from that game would have been uh, the fact that, you know, uh, George Fitzgerald looked very strong through a couple touchdown passes to Jake Pollock and uh, Joe Vialli with a couple of interceptions played some really yeah. good defense, uh, which kind of made that third touchdown Framingham score, which eventually proved to be the game winner, a little frustrating because, you know, Framingham, they go to the same well to the same receiver three times in a row, and Joe does a great job defending the first two times. Last time, I guess the kid just made an extra move and, and got open for the for the six. Yeah, I mean, I think Coach Manti did a great – that was a great play struck there I mean they ran I think like two or three backside slants on Joe um, and he defensed them all he had a great game I mean he really did he picked off two passes he had a bunch of passes defensed in, in addition to a couple in the end zone and uh, they ran a backside slant on him I think twice maybe even three times in a row he defensed it and then they ran a, a, a slant out you know um, little kind of slant poco type deal um, and Joe bit hard on the slant 
and the Poco went out into the end zone, and that was a touchdown. You know, so yeah, that that third touchdown was was definitely frustrating. I mean, I thought our defense played some pretty good football. Uh, we we saw some some set that we weren't expecting to see when they kind of bunched up and went into the double wing foot to foot. That wasn't something that they had showed. Um, I thought Coach Pereira and and Coach Barge on the defensive side of the ball uh, adjusted to that pretty well, and it worked for them on one series, but it didn't work for them the next time they went to it. We got a turnover on downs. Um, so yeah, I mean that that was definitely one positive. I thought I think our our defense plays hard. Um, I think our kids compete, you know, and that's something that a bunch of people in the community have said to me, and it's something that I'm really proud of, you know, and, and when you're 0-3, you have to definitely look at the things that, that are positive, and there are a lot of positive things on this football team. One of them is the fact that our kids, they, they don't stop playing ball. They don't stop. You saw it in Woburn, too. I mean, they don't stop playing ball. They don't stop fighting. They don't stop competing every single rep, and, and that's something that's going to bring us success. It's going to bring us success in league, and it's going to bring us success throughout the rest of the season. Um, I thought George had a great day. Um, he had a much stronger second half. I mean, 80% of our offensive production was in the second half. <laughs> so, so, you know, you, I think we put up about 260, 200 and 260 yards or something like that, that game, which we need to put up more, but I think 190 of that was in the second half. Um, and George showed some great consistency and great calm and he threw some great balls and he had some great escape moments there too, extending plays and finding men downfield. Um, he's a, he's a really good little quarterback. And he's the, the more comfortable he gets back there. And by the way, he was doing all that with a high ankle sprain, um, which, you know, we didn't talk about, but was real. That was during the Framingham game? Yep. Or, okay. You know, so for him to go out there and, 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 and play on that, he's a tough kid and he's a gritty kid. And, you know, he's kind of back to full now and he's moving a lot better than he was. And so we're excited about that. Well, and, and again, a similar theme kind of played itself out, too, with, with the Woburn game. But I have one more question about the Framingham sure. game. With two weeks of hindsight, do you look back at that final play call on the fourth down uh, near the goal line? It was I know it was fourth and one, so you're are you thinking more there? First down, touchdown? Uh, like, what was – I mean, do you – looking back, do you, you kind of think maybe a different play? Especially now that you bring up you bring up the uh, the ankle sprain issues with, with George and he had to roll out on that play. Was, uh, that, we, was that the design play to, for him to roll no, out to the right? No, no, no. Uh, we were we – were out of timeouts um so if we were if we were going to try to run the ball up the middle we had seven seconds left so if we were going to run the ball up the middle we were going to have to run the ball up the middle get up to the line of scrimmage clock spike and then call another play um so you know we talked it over in the last time out and said you know what let's just try to win this now um we tried to to go to kind of a, a an isolation play on the backside, and Framingham did a great job defensing that probably went to the well a little bit too many times on that play um, George did a great job of recognizing that that wasn't the place to put the ball and escaping out to extend the play. Uh, our running back popped out uh, of his flare and uh, got down towards the pylon, and, you know, we just didn't execute it. He was open, <laughs> you know. Uh, he, he was open, and we just missed the throw. Um, I'm sorry, that was who? That was Tyler? Tyler, yeah, yeah that was Tyler Reynolds off yep. of a motion into, into kind of the, the five-yard flat area out there, and um, – you know, we just missed the throw. George was rolling out. There was some pressure. It's a big moment, you know, throwing the ball to win the game, and we just didn't execute. Um, and our, our guys were pretty broken up about that because they care. Um, and I said it to them, and I'll say it to anybody who listened to me, you know, one, one play doesn't win or lose a football game. So, you know, we're not in the position to win the game in the last seconds without Fitz, without Tyler, without our defense, without everybody who contributed to what I thought was a really fantastic last 14 minutes or so of Marauder football. 
Um, we got to take those 14 minutes. We got to play like that for 44. And, and again, if we do that, we're going to be we're going to be a really successful team. Sure. And I think also, I guess, just even frustrating watching from from the booth was that last year you had those great last second wins at home in front of the Harrisfield crowd, yeah. and and you were right. The game was right there again as we're watching it. We're thinking, okay, it's, it's going to be another fantastic finish, and and George, you know, and, and it was you know, like say being down that close at, at the finish. Yeah, I mean, we it, it's a it's a tough beat. You know, and all credit to Framingham and Coach Manny. You know, they came to play that day, and and I think we did too. We just waited, we just waited a little bit longer than they did, um, and and they caught some breaks. You know, and that's the nature of the game. It's not faulting them or the game plan or their not cheapening their success. You know, I mean, the ball bounced for them. The calls, those calls at the front end of the game went that way for them, and you know that turned out to be a a pretty big deal. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a frustrating loss. Um, we we definitely think that we're a better team than was on the field that day, and. Um, you know, our job as coaches and, and as players is to is to regroup, and we did a great job of that. You know, our guys came in and watched film the next day, and we broke down what we did well and broke down what we didn't do well, and we, you know, got re- started getting ready for Woburn. And that's kind of how football works. And, and so I was at the booster dinner last night, and the athletic director for, for Wesleyan University was the speaker. And, you know, that's kind of one of the things that he talked about is that none of us want to lose, obviously, but you can learn a lot about yourself and about your program and about your football team in a loss. Um, especially a tight loss like that. And, and over the last two weeks, you know, we didn't get the result that we wanted both weeks, but we've learned a lot about our guys. Well, I know why you want a community cable award, Coach, uh, you know, uh, third place for your announcing skills, but also <laughs> just the master of the segue right Thank there you. because you, you. you talked about leading into Woburn, talking about uh, the close games, and, of course, you know, the previous two meetings uh, with Woburn, the last two years, you lose by three points, both games there for the taking. Uh, this year, kind of a different story, and, again, it kind of goes back to the, the, the slow start you were talking about. I mean, first five possessions, I think you only gained about 25 yards of offense. Yeah. It was a real struggle, and, uh, you know, that Woburn team, I mean, now now you're getting into the meat of the league schedule, and they're very strong. They have a three-headed running back attack. I know number 10. I know. I also love the fact, Coach, you want to refer to these guys by numbers, and, and I want to refer to them by names. The irony is that— I know it, his name. Yeah. Oh, you do. Okay. Cashwell Doe. Cashwell Doe. Right. right. But you see, here's the thing. You do like to refer to these guys as numbers. Mm-hmm. And truthfully, as a public address announcer and, or as a play-by-play guy, I like to usually refer to guys as numbers. Yeah, yeah. When I'm here at Studio B doing a podcast, I usually like to bring you up the names. The names. You go, yeah, I know. But you, you do the numbers. But So it's funny. But okay. Let, let's just – so let's talk a little bit, you know, about that. Uh, the, the start there, uh, just was was there anything, I guess, you you were surprised about the with the with their game plan and uh, what, uh, you know, just talk about no, what not, happened with the I mean, to be perfectly start. honest, not really. Uh, we, we pretty much got what we thought we were going to get a l- out of them. We, we wanted to be committed to running a little bit of smash mouth football and power run. Um, and we started doing that. First series came out, got a great veer run from Adam for a first down 10 yards. Um, and then they sent a B-gap blitz. And, you know, we practiced that. But you got a young left tackle out there, and he missed it. You know, a kid went untouched in the backfield. And, you know, that knocked us back to second and 14, 15. And that changes our play structure, you know. And then, you know, we're – Fall, then we we fall start in anticipation of that blitz and you know now we're now we're you know second and 20 and third and 20 and and that changes our play approach a little bit um you know we didn't have the best game on the offensive line that game first and foremost you know those guys heard it a little bit in film you know if we're going to be committed to running the ball well those five guys up front have to take it upon themselves to do that um and it definitely wasn't the best game from them um i thought we did a a, a good job defensively especially in the first quarter uh, first and second quarter, in all honesty, keeping us in the game. Uh, we went in at halftime 12 nothing, and we're saying, okay, we got a real opportunity to, to turn this around coming out. 
Um, and then we three and outed for our first series of the third quarter, and we gave up a big play on the other side, and all of a sudden, you know, it's 20. Um, and that's a little bit of a mountain, you know, four minutes into the third quarter, and that's when we really decided yeah. to kind of clock in and play football, and we right. scored two touchdowns in 14 minutes with great drives downfield, long field drives for the most part. Um, you know, and Woburn's a tough team. You know, it's a Jack Belcher coach team. So, you know, you know that they're going to bring the fire and you know that they're going to bring a little bit of chippiness and, you know, you know that they're going to bring a little bit of attitude to the game. And we knew that going in the week and we were ready for it. Um, and they got a great running back, man, in Isaiah Cashwell Doe. And, and to be perfectly honest, I think that's, you know, that's their dude. Uh, they got, you know, they got a bell horse and, and they're using him. And he had some great, great runs. And we've been saying all week, you know, if we stop this kid, we got a great shot to win the football game. You know, I say again that if we played 44 minutes like we played the last 14, then, then that's a rev, <laughs> it's a very different ball game. But we didn't, you know, uh, we didn't. And as a result, you know, Woburn comes away with a two-touchdown win and a well-deserved one at that. Yeah, and right. I mean, I think there are some moral victories, again, you can take from this game. One, your team's playing the second half, no question. Uh, and also the fact that this team the week before against Burlington, I, I'm talking about Woburn now, Woburn ran for uh, 447 yards the week before against mm -hmm. Burlington. You held them down to, I think, about 250 or something, which, you know, and in fact, Cashwell Doe, he ran for 265 against Burlington, and he uh, you held him to 160. I, you know, I, I know you'd, you'd like to hold him to less, I, I understand, yeah. but, but, you know, the way he had been running and, you know, the, the fact that they were, you know, committing themselves to the run, I mean, I, I still think your run defense, I mean, maybe you were having trouble establishing the run offensively, but defensively, it did seem like, you know, at times you were able to kind of. Yeah, no, I mean, I think defensively we did a pretty good job against them, to be honest. I mean, Cashwell Doe is, again, he's a great running back, man. And, and he, you know, he got 160 yards, probably 70 of those came on two big plays, you know, so that that's, you know, I don't know how many times he carried the ball, but that means it's 21, 21. So <laughs> he, he had two big plays that probably yeah. counted for 60 or 70 of his yards That's 20 carries for, you know, 190 yards or whatever. And yeah. we'll, we'll take that. That's a pretty that's a pretty solid defense day, but those big plays are again remain remain a focus, and they were all tackling big plays. Uh, there they weren't plays where you know he was scheme open, where he just had a huge seam and he just took that seam and he and he ran it. They they run a very tight offensive set, um, try to kind of create a wash up in front, and and he runs into that wash. And in our case, he we had a couple of guys who were on him, and he's a big powerful back and a great kid. We talked after the game. He's good friends with our fullback, um, Adam. And so we were all talking after the game. He's just a wicked nice kid and, and, and very humble and, and driven. And, um, you know, his feet kept moving, and we slid down his leg and didn't secure tackles. And so, you know, that's something that we have to be very focused on doing is, is being a consistent tackling team. We're a much better tackling team than we've been any year in the past, and that's one of the reasons that our defense is performing better than it has. Uh, we need to now do that consistently, again, across – 44 minutes of defensive football in order to compete in the Middlesex. Now, you did talk about that play early in the third quarter, which kind of at that point broke the game open because it was close. Even though statistically, you know, you were on the wrong side of yep. things, you were only down two touchdowns, 12 nothing, not you know, manageable. Uh, then comes the, the, the 69 yard pass to Chalemi, which looked like kind of a, a broken play. So, I mean, can you describe what happened there? Um, not really. I, I mean, I'd have to go back on film and remember it. I'm, I've, I've kind of clocked into the next week of football. Um, we're on, little, we're on to Reddit. A little, a little bit to see, to see that cut. And, and we were working, you know, we have a good split on our staff where Dave and Dave and, uh, coach Barge are kind of working the defense and, uh, coach Avery and myself are working the offense. And so, you know, when the defense gets to work pretty commonly, um, you know, I'm, 
clocked in with Avery and the quarterback and the receivers, you know. So um, I'd have to go – oh, I remember that pass. Um, the alley bit. Joe bit. Yeah. Joe bit up on a, on a counteraction pass, um, and the guy ran right by him. He was wide open down the sideline, you know, and – can't happen uh I, I i don't i don't really have a i don't really have a ton of correction to make there for joe outside of you know read your surface keys and you know get good reads and um and in that situation he didn't he was a little over aggressive to the run it's hard to not be over aggressive to the run against that team that's kind of their offense you know they smack you in the face with the casual dough over and over and over again and then they try an action pass and uh put one over the top you know so that that sort of big play, those big play moments, obviously, are, are are things that we have to reduce. You know, and I mean, again, I think offensively, we were we really wanted to we really wanted to play some smash mouth football against that team. It wasn't really working as well as we wanted it to work. Um, when we opened up and started moving the ball through the air, uh, that's when you you really saw us move the ball and have success. And so, you know, we we see that, and we think we've got a team that can again be a balanced offense and a multifaceted offense but right now you know our air attack is doing a lot to drive it so we're excited about that and yeah so kind of what got the offense going you mentioned the passing of course uh, originally what kind of first got the offense sparked was the big 77 yard sure touchdown run for tyler reynolds Huge run. yeah and in fact that kind of opened things up and i think it, it did allow you know uh george you know fitzgerald to, to pass you know and uh, i'm looking at the final numbers here for jake pollock 10 catches 96 yards i know it at the end of the game it felt like he had about 10 catches and now with 19 on the season he's just one behind the number of receptions he had last year when he led the team <laughs> and this is just for three games that he's already got 19 catches yeah I mean our offense is a little bit different Jake's a big part of it obviously I think the great stat on that one is he had 10 catches and 11 targets so that you know that means that there was only one time that we threw the ball at Jake and it didn't end up in his hands Um, you know he's a really talented receiver runs great routes can catch the ball we've got a lot of other talented receivers too Will Ellett you know is really talented Luke Hopkins is is a is a great possession receiver Joe Vialli out of our spread set you know, so uh, Tyler's run, man, that was, that was a big run. It was a big run for Ty um, because it was, you know, we've been kind of stressing to him about putting a foot in the dirt and getting upfield. And you saw it on that toss. He, he got out to the edge. He saw that he had a lane up, and he put his foot in the dirt, and he went Doo! right up yeah. to right up to the seam um, for 77 yards and a score. Also and, a sigh of relief because at that point, your running game really had not been able to do anything, per, you know, but that yeah, was the first no, big it was, run. <laughs> it was, Although other than the Deese run early. The yeah, no, down. it was most definitely nice to see. Um, it was most most definitely nice to see Ty do that, and I was really happy for him. You know, he's he's been working hard to try and improve that aspect of his game. So to see that realized was really happen was really was really great. And then obviously on the next drive, you know, we were able to move the ball through the air consistently um, and get to the five yard line and punch it in. Yeah, let's talk about that last drive though. If there was anything wrong with that drive, it's that it was 22 plays, 85 yards. It took up almost the entire fourth quarter. And if you'd only been down one score, I would have said, "Hey, that's a great drive." But yep. I mean, was what was the thing? I mean, obviously you were trying to, you know, I I don't imagine you wanted to take up the whole fourth quarter there. To, I mean, so it was. Just, I mean, we're just trying to execute. We're just trying to execute our offense. You know, I think that there's kind of a, a misconception of like, all right, you're you know you're down, so you got to throw the ball deep. And that's just not how coaching works, man. I mean, we have an offensive structure. We have an offensive game plan. We have stuff that we've repped and stuff that we've practiced that's part of the package that week. It's not to say we didn't have deep game. We did. We threw the ball downfield a little bit. But those are low percentage plays. Yeah, yeah you, know, you want to those, take what the defense is giving those are you. Low, those right, are low right, percentage right. plays. I mean, those guys are sitting up in a high shell. They know they're up by two touchdowns. They're sitting up in a high shell. Their defensive coordinator is saying – 
keep everything in front of you, keep everything in front of you. So we were throwing underneath that shell and saying, you know, we're going to keep chunking up yards. We're going to keep getting first downs. We're going to keep executing our offense. And hopefully somebody's going to make a move and, and, and break a tackle and go up the sideline and score fast. That would be great. Um, but, you know, do we have – yeah, I mean, we have a two-minute offense. Um, whether or not we wanted to run it in that situation – you know, okay. I mean, we can we can run fades and posts and corners and all that stuff that takes us vertical up the field. Um, we we run a, a much higher risk of going three and out. You know, and and at that point, the game is you know for me is is about we got to keep holding the ball. You know, we got to hold the ball. We got to stay on. We got to stay on on the offensive side of the ball, um, and we got to score. And you know, whatever happens at that point. I mean, that was that was the fourth quarter with like six or seven six seven eight minutes how long was that drive uh, that drive took almost 10 minutes you got the ball with uh, about uh there was about a little over 10 minutes left in the fourth, in the quarter. fourth so it was just it was early fourth quarter you had the ball yep. and then it was 22 plays 85 yards resulting in the, the Reynolds yeah i mean so that's fourth quarter we're down three scores you know um yeah i mean I, I think we took a couple deep shots on that drive too one or two deep shots on that drive to see if we couldn't chunk up a bunch of yardage but you know take a big shot on first down you better get that yardage back with efficacy on second down you know it, it's a game of down and distance you know and you want manageable downs and distance and that's kind of our philosophy and you know our two-minute offense isn't that much different from our regular offense with the exception of the fact that we're executing faster <laughs> yeah. you know we're trying to get on the ball quicker we'll probably go hand signals and start sending plays in that way which we were doing against Framingham because we were trying to spare George running over to the sideline um, if, if you guys notice, we were flashing that game, which is not something that we do as much as as, as a lot of other teams. Well, I'm uh, sorry, flashing? Flashing. Hand, we were calling the plays from the sideline with hand signals instead of having the quarterback come over to the sideline and get a play and go trotting it in. And so we were trying to do that against Framingham because George had an ankle sprain and we weren't trying to have him keep running back and forth from the huddle to the sideline. Um, and then obviously, so his yeah. ankle was feeling better this past week. Yeah, no, he was feeling better. Sarkis Asadorian, our AT, has a does a great job, and and he was feeling a little bit better last week, and you know he's feeling even better this week, and he'll be feeling even better next week. It's not something that's affecting his play now, um, which is great. And I don't really think it affected his play that much in Framingham. He had a couple great escapes. He had a great run for a first down. Um, you know, he's he's a he's a tough kid. Well, through three games, he's already uh, he's, he's a fifty. He's completed fifty percent of his passes, thirty nine of seventy eight for four hundred and sixty five yards, which averages out to over one hundred and fifty yards passing a game. Three touchdowns, only one interception. I mean, you have to like what you've seen out of out of Fitzy so far. George is just getting better. That's the that's the awesome thing about watching this kid progress and grow. You know, is he's just he's just getting better every single day he goes out there, um, and he's a tremendously smart football player. He's also very good at kind of working now to kind of shut his brain off a little bit and focus on execution and think less about big picture stuff, which he does have a tendency to do. Uh, he hasn't reached his ceiling yet. You know, the, the, this is his third. He's started three varsity games in his entire football career. You know, so this kid is, is getting better and better every single time he goes out there to, to work the offense. And we are excited for him to take another step forward as our quarterback this week. And uh, let's get to this week then. Uh, obviously, the Middlesex League schedule doesn't get any easier. Uh, Redding uh, comes to town, and uh, you guys uh, played them pretty tough up there last year, of course. As I was also looking back, uh, you had uh, the game at Harris Field two years ago, which uh, had some questionable uh, uh, play calling and other action going on by uh, by the Redding team. I mean, they're they're coming off a tough loss. Their first league game, they lost to Lexington in the incredible Sal Freelich, who's just yeah. seems like he's going to be maybe doing that to everybody this year. But uh, 
Uh, so, I mean, your, your thoughts going into this game? I mean, are you still think? Do you still think at all about that game from two years ago? I mean, it wasn't really. I mean, what happened then really wasn't on as much a display last year when you guys played a tough game. You were you were only down ten points at the half up at their place. Last yeah, year. I mean, I think the game two years ago. It's really funny when John and I talk about it. Coach Fury and I talk about it. We that that wasn't our perception. You know what I mean? That wasn't, again, you want to hear what I had to say about that game. You can go back and read my quotes. You know, my quotes in that game was, this is a tough football team. They beat us up. We need to get better. We're going to go back into the house and, and, and we're going to, we're going to get better, you know? And, and those were, that's what I had to say about the game. Um, and you did, I mean, the next year, last year, you played much whatever more anybody else had to say about that game is up to them. Um, I didn't have anything other than that to say about that game. I still don't have anything other than that to say about that game. Coach Fury is a great football coach. He's a, he's one of the most successful football coaches in the state of Massachusetts. He's got uh, Super Bowl titles under his belt. He's got Middlesex League titles under his belt. That team is, is, is churning out successful, well-executing football teams year after year after year. So the notion that, like, I have something against that to me is ludicrous. Um, if anything, when I compete against a coach like that who's long established with a lot of success, I'm trying to learn as much as I can about how it is that, that they structure their offense and structure their defense and call their plays to, to get better myself as a coach. I'm sure we have some cultural philosoph philosophical differences in terms of how we want to teach the game and what our team identities are. That's true for every coach that are out there, you know, and John and I have been colleagues in the Middlesex for three years now and going into our fourth year and um, we were actually had a great conversation at the league meeting this year. Uh, he didn't recognize that I pulled my car up right next to him. He opened his door kind of hard and cracked my car door. And so we had a, a good laugh about that. Um, so, you know, we, we yeah. played them a little bit tougher last year, had a great first half. Um, didn't They made some great halftime adjustments against our defense that really hurt us, most especially speed option, um, running kind of a weak side speed option set, and, and that – that hurt us. They had a great quarterback last year. Um, they're going to be another tough team again, you know, and you, you know they're going to be chomping at the bit to play ball because they're coming off of a loss to, to the Freilich Show and, and Lexington. Um, and that's, you know, the game that everybody is saying is the league title game, you know, which is – it is what it is. You know, as a, as a coach, you know, we're 0-1 we're and 0-3, so I understand why people aren't talking about us in the league conversation, you know, but there are a lot of good football teams in the Middlesex, but I, I know how it goes. You know, and that definitely is two powerhouses in the middle sex large going head to head. I mean, those are two great football teams. You know, we know they're going to come in juiced up. We know they're going to come in geared up, ready to play. We know they're going to be a physical opponent. They always are. Um, we know we're going to have to play our best football to go out there and compete and get a win. And that's something that we believe we can do. I mean, I wouldn't be a good football coach if I didn't believe in my team's ability to go out on any given day and beat any team. And, and honestly, I believe that. It's not just hyperbole. It's not just, you know, coach speak. You know, I believe in this team's ability to put four quarters of a, of a three-phase game together. And when we do that, and it's coming, when we do that, this team is going to be a, a, a solid football team, and I would even go so far as to say a really difficult football team to beat. Our competition doesn't get any easier going into Reading, you know. And a lot of guys, I think, I'm not lamenting that. I'm not lamenting that. I mean, I'm – okay, I'm 0-3. I'm 0-0, man. I'm trying to go out there and win on Thursday night now. You know, I'm 0-0. And, and and if we win, we're 1-0 for about five minutes. And then we're back to 0-0, you know, because we got Winchester the Saturday after that. You know, and, and so that's the attitude that I think 
all great coaches honestly take and i'm i'm it's what the attitude that most of my colleagues take you know the people who are sitting up in the stands or the sports writers or sports casters and stuff like that they're talking about the big picture stuff they're talking about how the league's shaking out they're talking about all the stuff that happened last year or two years ago or what that game was and all that all that stuff we as coaches are are free from that I don't I, I have I don't think about that at all. I mean, I know Ben Jones took a trap for 78 yards for on the first play of the game. Uh, I remember what we did that game. We went back and watched that film to see some things that they might try to do against some of the formations that we run. Um, but outside of that, man, I just I'm excited. I just can't wait to get out there on Thursday night and play another football game. To paraphrase the the great Bill Belichick, uh, you're on to Reading. That's yeah, what, that's on what it's on to about. on to Reading, you know, and and we're we're pumped up for that. And don't forget, it's Thursday Night Lights this week. Sure uh, is. And uh, hopefully everyone's there, the crowd's there. Hopefully the band is back too. The band, man, that was a weird game last week against Woburn with no band. They don't it just, play. It felt so empty. They know? don't play in the I rain. Like something was missing. They don't play in the rain. Um, and I, it didn't. It, after the rain broke, it didn't rain that hard. Um, it, I, I'm with you. When the band's not there. There's a there's an element of the atmosphere at Harris that is just missing. Um, we miss them when they're not there. Um, I'd say once the game starts, you know, whether or not the band. Every so often, I'll catch some tunes as I'm you know walking off of a series. But in the context of play call and coaching our guys up, and that's true for all of our coaches. I. I Half the time, I couldn't tell you what's happening back there. But it's like the soundtrack to the game, and without a soundtrack, it just yeah. sounds a lot quieter. It, it is just... It is definitely quieter. I mean, you definitely hear that, and uh, I know that Paul and Ardo do such a great job. I love what those guys do over there. So um, we hope that we're going to get good weather. We think we're going to get – we got good weather in the forecast, so hopefully the band's back out Thursday night, keeping our fingers yes. crossed. Um, and they're jamming out and, and bringing, that, bringing that juice to Harris. Well, we already uh, went a little bit past our time, so uh, okay. I'm going to sabotage the uh, the Toddcast completely because that's typically what happens. So take that, Jeremy. <laughs> I know Jeremy likes these things right at a nice trim. Right 30 at thirty minutes. minutes. Yeah, well, forget that. We're already beyond that anyway. So uh, let me. We'll, we'll close with this. We talked about it a little bit before we started the Toddcast uh, this week. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of news taking place in the National Football League this week, especially with regards to uh, uh, you know uh, participation and uh, actions during the national. National Anthem, uh, and, I, and I know we talked about this last year when it was, you know, it, it became an issue for, for several games during last season for the for, for your team, so uh, is there going to be, is it kind of a reinvigorated, I, that's not right the, the right <laughs> word I want to use there, but do you think there's going to be, I mean, is this something you're going to be talking to the team about this week, uh, just to get an idea of what they may or may not want to do uh, before the Anthem this week? Yeah, I mean, we're not we're not anticipating any issue. I haven't, I haven't heard any issue um at all um i know that that obviously this is a, a a movement that's at the center of our national conscience and of our national consciousness and yeah the, the sports illustrated cover this week should be illustration yeah, enough of that it's it's uh it's 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 grabbed hold at the at the center point of of to a certain degree of our national identity our kids are americans um for the most part and so they're not immune to that they see it, they hear it, they have opinions on it. Um, our, sta- our stance as a program, um, again, is that every American has the right to freely express themselves provided they are not speaking in a manner that is obscene or in a manner that is inciting hate and violence. And we will do our part as coaches and as a program to support um, the kids whatever decision it is that they choose to make in terms of how they want to address the anthem. Um, Our position as coaches is 
to remain within the context of the program neutral um, in order to because I believe that one of the one of the big issues that exists at the center of this conversation and this debate and I'll go over to say this and talk about it is this notion of, of mutual exclusivity that exists and how it is that we process our country you know and it's this this kind of love it or leave it mentality where patriotism is all or nothing and as an individual, as a person, as a brown man in America um, of mixed race, I, I can't see that. And I don't think that patriotism has ever been all or nothing, nor has patriotism ever been blind. And so this creation of this mutual exclusivity of either you love America or you hate America is, to me, ludicrous. I think that it's very, very possible to love my country, which I do very much, and believe in its goodness and believe in its potential, believe in its ability to rise and to unite. And I believe in all of those things. It's possible to believe in all of those things, while at the same time acknowledging that there are some very real structural issues in how our country approaches different communities that exist within it. And for me, this protest and all of the stuff that swirls around it is a question of due process. That's really the issue, not to get into a, a legal discussion, but that's really the issue that sits at the heart of this protest. It's not just a protest about police brutality. It's not just a protest about bad cops. It's, it, and there are lots of great cops out there. I mean, I interact with great members of the Belmont Police Department every single day almost. We've got their kids in our program. This isn't, this isn't about that. This is about a, a, a structural and systemic denial of due process, which is one of, if not the most fundamental American right. The notion that the government cannot deprive you of your life, your liberty, your pursuit of happiness, your property without out proving beyond a reasonable doubt that they have the right to do that, that you have done something that is worthy of that deprivation. It is one of the central issues that led our original 13 colonies to withdraw from their home country and declare independence was the notion that they did not feel as though their government was affording them the individual rights that were guaranteed by English law. And so everything that we know sociologically tells us that this problem is real. Everything that we know sociologically tells us that this problem is endemic. And me personally, as an American, I wish that people saw that as degrading to all Americans. Because due process, Todd, affects all of us. And it doesn't just live in a courthouse. Due process lives in access to residential opportunities. It lives in access to occupational opportunities. It leads to uh, the, the, the dispensing of educational resources. It lives in criminal justice. It lives in health care. And the basic and fundamental notion of our great nation, which is one that I believe in so deeply and strongly that I, I can talk for hours about it, is that no matter who you are, rich, poor, white, black, gay, straight, Christian, Jew, Muslim, or atheist, the law of the country will treat you the same. And the opportunities that you are afforded as a person 
to chase your dream, your life, your liberty, and your pursuit of happiness are not rooted or restricted in the color of your skin, but in the words of Dr. King and the content of your character. And the notion, correct that, the reality that that does not exist in our country today scares me and saddens me because I know our nation has the potential to rise to a true level of greatness. When the national anthem plays on Thursday night, I will stand and salute my flag. That's what I will do. I do that as the head coach of the Belmont football program in an effort to remain neutral in a conversation that is swirling with so much emotion that the actual content of the issue is so lost. As a man and as a human being, I hope that all Americans can state unequivocally that basic equality and access to due process under the law is a right that should be extended to all Americans. And that when it's not, our basic and fundamental American identity is damaged by that. And I hate to make this, I mean, I'm putting myself out on a limb making a statement like that. Um, but I'm a proud American. I'm a proud American. I love my country. And this is what sits at the heart of who we are as a people. If you are asked to define the national identity of the United States of America, culturally, we're a nation of so many different races and religions and creeds and ethnicities. They're, they're, the cultural identity of the United States is, is, in the words of Benedict Anderson, and I'm sorry to talk so much about this, is, is an imagined conception. I don't mean that to say that it's not real. I mean that to say that it's not culturally tangible. I mean, you take me up here in Boston and you take, say, a Mexican-American in Phoenix. What, what culturally do we share? We don't speak the same language. We probably don't worship the same way. We don't eat the same foods. We probably don't listen to the same music. You know, we might not even wear the same clothes. What we share culturally is something that is abstract, right? This, this common Americanness. And what sits at the heart for me of that common Americanness is equal protection under the law. And I don't think that any citizen of our nation should be required to compromise that ever, in, ever, without due process. And I hope and pray every day that more Americans will be willing to see that and to put truth and justice and love and compassion in the center of their souls and, and walk forward into this conversation with that in their heart. You know, Coach, I, I know uh, I don't think I could I couldn't have, you couldn't have said it any better. And I know we bring you in here every week wearing your coach's hat to talk football but uh, you took are, it off you, there for a second. But you are at heart. No, what I was about to say is at heart, you are also a teacher and uh, that's your day job. You you're teach. I know you're teaching the, the kids on the football field, but you're also teaching them in the classroom. And, uh, you know, hearing uh, thoughts like that just or convince me that uh, I'd love to be in your class. <laughs> <laughs> you might not say that if you were in my class. <laughs> well. <laughs> All right. Well, to bring it back to sports, the great unifier. You got uh, it. Coach, uh, good luck this week Thank uh, you. against Redding. Thank you very much.
And uh, we just want to uh, remind you as we wrap up, uh, a reminder that all the Toddcasts with Coach Q can be found online at belmontmedia.org slash podcasts, also on soundcloud.com by searching Belmont Media. Listen at your convenience by downloading the free SoundCloud app. It's available on both iTunes and Google Play stores. Uh, links to our weekly interviews with Coach Q are posted on both Facebook and Twitter. Uh, become a Facebook fan by searching Time Out for Sports Talk. Don't forget our Twitter handle is at TOSTBMC. If you follow Coach Q at Q underscore Coach, he retweets all this stuff anyway, and the links are there. So uh, you will, uh, you I will love, see him. I love the tweeter machine. As my good friend Coach O'Neill, he taught me how to call. He calls he calls every phone and computer the internet machine, and and the Twitter is the tweeter machine. So I love the there tweeter machine. <laughs> well, thanks again, Coach. Uh, until next week, for Coach Q, I'm Todd Bloniars. I want to thank you for checking out the TOST Toddcast right here on the Belmont Media Podcast Network.